1: Hey everyone, welcome back to Friend of a Friend. I'm your host, Olivia Perez. I'm a journalist, interviewer, and the creator of this show, where we get to sit down, meet some new friends, and go inside the minds of some of the most innovative, coolest, and creative forces shaping our world today. This week, I absolutely fangirled, because I, probably like so many of you, am a massive Krungbin fan. And today, we're joined by their iconic bassist, Laura Lee. Also known as Lazy on stage, Laura and her bandmates Mark and DJ have an instantly recognizable sound, a blend of funk, soul, and disco that's cultivated them a massive fan base with sold out tours, festival headlines, and collaborations with the likes of Leon Bridges. Laura and I sat down this week to talk about the inception of the band from their early days in Houston to the bar and they now record all of their music in. And she gives us a first look of their latest record, Mordecai Remixes. Mordecai Remixes is available now wherever you guys get your music. If you loved Mordecai that came out in 2020, you're going to love this. They partnered with all of their favorite DJs to remix the original sounds, and it is so good. Also, if you've never seen Krugbin live, it is one of the most memorable live experiences I have ever had. And you can get tickets now to their upcoming 2021 tour. They're on sale online. Get in there and try to find some tickets because truly it's been one of my favorite live shows I've ever seen. I hope you guys love this episode. I posted something a few weeks ago saying that I feel really grateful to have a job where I get to interview a lot of my heroes and I actually wrote that immediately after doing this episode. So I feel really grateful to have had Laura on the show today. I'm such a big fan and I hope you guys love getting to know her as much as I did. If you haven't followed the show and you find yourself coming back and listening, take the time to follow us and leave us a review. And if you love the show, share it with a friend, share it on social. I always love seeing when you guys are listening. So take a screenshot and tag me. I will always reshare and usually slide in your DMs and say hi. I appreciate you guys so much. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Here's my friend, Laura Lee. Hi, guys. I'm currently in the studio in New York right now, and I'm with someone that I'm absolutely obsessed with, and she knows it, so it's really awkward. (laughs) But I've got Laura Lee in the studio today, and I am so excited that she's here. I literally flew in yesterday because I was like, Thank you so much. Thank you. (laughs)
0: I'm really happy to be on the show.
1: Good. I'm so glad. Thank you for being here.
0: Yeah, this is my first sort of like fashion leaning chat. Ooh. So I'm really excited. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> Absolutely. No pressure for me. No pressure.
1: And by the way, you look phenomenal. Thank you. Can you tell us what you're wearing? And guys, don't worry. I will post a photo so you can see.
0: I am wearing a Stella McCartney denim suit. I think it's like safari denim or something. It's really cool. And then I'm wearing a collaboration between House of Hackney and Terry de Havilland shoes. They're amazing. And I, I told you this earlier, but. I found them at a sample sale for next to nothing, and they never went into production. So they're my one of kinds.
1: I love that. She walked in the room, and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I think I came prepared, but I don't really know.
0: You're so much more prepared than I am. but yeah.
1: I would love to hear a little bit about your early beginnings. Okay. Where are you from?
0: I'm from Houston, Texas. Okay. Born and raised, and then lived there for much longer than I thought I would. I was definitely somebody who wanted to leave for college and like, you know, get out of town ASAP. Yep. But I ended up finishing school early. I was 16 when I went to college and wow. it was a little young to move away. So I ended up staying in Houston for college and then started the band. So then stayed longer than anticipated.
1: Graduating when you're 16 and going to school sounds like a really scary like it was,
0: opportunity. I wouldn't do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> I,
0: did, I mean, I did it. Um,
1: what caused you to graduate so early?
0: I I had like a sort of troubled adolescence, rebellious, and then just also like unfortunate circumstance that I would think I was ready to just live my own life and make my own decisions. Yeah. Um, so I got enough credits. I took like extra classes every year in high school to get out sooner. But then you kind of realize that you're 16 in college. Yep. And I wasn't ready for that you know, much yeah. adulthood.
1: <laughs> it's a funny experience. I did something similar in college where I was like, I want to graduate early. I want to get into the game of working. And all of a sudden I found myself at like 20 years old competing for jobs with someone like a year older than me. Right. Which and is a it's, lot. Actually. It's a lot. Yeah. yeah. It's not it's not always as like glamorous as it seems or it actually doesn't really work out. I feel like the way people expect it to. Yeah. Yeah. And I also
0: was you know, I was sixteen, so I didn't know what I wanted totally really.
1: I mean, and do we still I', I no, no,
0: no <laughs> but I was like, well, I love I was drawing, I drew a lot through high school, and I was really good at math, so I was like, oh, I'll go to architecture school because it's like art and math right, but it turns out I like art and I like math, and I like architecture, but I wasn't very good at the intersection between them, so I ended up changing to art history and history, and I'm not I mean I am using the degree in a way, but it's like. Yeah. Obviously, not specifically. like i'm a, i'm I'm in a band.
1: <laughs> I try to <laughs> you know? not like take the idea of a degree too seriously. yeah, it's like, okay, get what you need to get. Get what you're interested in at the time. But then, like try to pull the tenants out of that that apply to what you really want to do.
0: totally. And now I do a lot of curation within right. the band. And so I feel like that's my art history degree. and like working at museums in curatorial departments was yeah. like that's what I'm doing with the artwork and the show posters and stuff and with my outfits and kind of, the like direction of the band. I think I learned a lot from that.
1: Yeah. I love that. Who first inspired you to pick up a bass?
0: Uh, Mark, my bandmate, who has a million instruments. He has every instrument. I mean, he doesn't have every instrument, but a lot. And he was helping me learn how to play some songs on the piano. And he's ear trained as we all are at this point. But he, he was telling me in terms of trying to figure out how the song went on the piano. Like listen to where the bass is going in the song. If you can follow the bass, then you'll know where the song goes. And somehow that conversation led to me being like, well, why don't I just learn how to play bass? And it ended up being so comfy. The instrument felt comfortable to me. And while obviously there's still a lot of work that has to be done to learn how to play an instrument. I think there's certain things in life that feel right, not necessarily easy. But they feel like a good fit, you know? It's like I think that that sort of thing where people are like, oh, when you're looking for a house, you'll know it's the one. Like you'll go in right. and feel it. And that, I think, in,
1: like instinct feeling.
0: Yes. Yeah. So I think I there was an instinctual thing with the bass that resonated with me. I love that. Wow.
1: How did you and your bandmates meet?
0: I met Mark through mutual friends. I worked as a prep preparator, I think is the word. At, art museums where you kind of break down installations and paint the walls and prepare for the next one. Cool. So a friend of mine from there, we went to have lunch at his house and he lived with Mark. And Mark was sitting there in the front room watching this movie on Afghani music. And I was studying ancient Near Eastern art at school. So it was like a very specific place
1: and time thing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And we became instant friends. And the week after, the three of us all got stuck in a hurricane together. So I became really close friends with Mark. And once you have a hurricane behind you, you're like bonded.
1: <laughs> I will never forget Hurricane Sandy here and the people that I stayed with. I think I'm like unbonded to those people for
0: life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we had that. And then I he invited me to dinner one night with he and DJ, and they had church rehearsal every Tuesday night. So they would go to this place called Red Yards afterwards for a burger and a beer or Mexican Coke, depending on who you're talking to. And I got invited, and that's when I met DJ. And the three of us had dinner every Tuesday night for three years before we ever started the band.
1: Wow.
0: That's really cute. As they
1: say with most things, friends
0: first totally. is
1: the recipe for success. Yeah.
0: yeah. So I went to see them play at church every Sunday after – I crashed their Tuesday night. and I never stopped crashing their Tuesday night. And later on, after I'd started playing bass, Mark was going on tour with this band called Yippa, and they needed a bass player. And I tried out, got the job. And, you know, I loved it so much. It was like, I want to do this for the rest of my life. Even at that stage, which was much grimier than it is now.
1: So in saying that you guys are friends first, obviously you went on this tour, but how did music come together for the three of you? Like, do you have a moment that you can reflect on and be like, there was this moment where we're like, we all looked at each other and knew that there was a path here.
0: Right. Well, it's so it started. Mark and I really started it because after that tour ended, I like sat him aside and legit was like, hey, I want to start a band. Yeah. You know, so we didn't have money for a rehearsal space in Houston. And his parents had this farmhouse an hour and a half outside the city with a barn. They used to hold tractors, but then they got cows.
1: Is this the barn? This is the okay, barn. Okay, we'll get to the barn soon, guys.
0: <laughs> and so there was a this shell of a barn. And they're like, if you want to use that as your rehearsal space, you know, they had a wedding there once. So there was power and a chandelier and stuff. Like, great. And a chandelier. Yeah.
1: Here she's like, it's a shell of a <laughs> barn, but there's a chandelier.
0: It, there's like, it's like a country... French country kind of chandelier. Love that. Yeah, we went out there. Mark actually played drums and I played bass and it was really hot in Texas. We were like dripping sweat, rock and roll kind of thing. Recorded it and then Mark put it on his computer, chopped it up and recorded guitar over it. And it sounded amazing then, you know, and that's, it was, the you know, just the two of us playing, him playing two things and we knew we needed a third. Mark really wanted to play drums, but no one can play guitar like Mark. And I, he's a much better guitar player than he is drummer. So uh, he was overruled. And it was really obvious that DJ was going to be the drummer because the three of us had this really special friendship and these Tuesday night bubbles. And our friendship didn't exist anywhere else. It wasn't like we were part of a big friendship group together where we all went on holiday or like went to the same birthday parties. Our friendship was literally just the three of us on Tuesday. And so I think that kind of unique family brother, sister sort of vibe really set us in a good place when we started making music. And I don't know, I really loved what we made like immediately. I used to walk around with headphones all the time like, especially when I lived in London, it was like a constant thing. And when I listened to what we made, it always transported me into a daydream, no matter how busy the street I was on, you know? Wow. Um, so I felt like it was worth pushing.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely worth pushing. Thank you for that question. <laughs> Thank you. Now the golden question that yeah. I'm dying to know, Krugbin, where did that come from?
0: Um, I had gone to Thailand, shortly before we started the band. Okay. Where in Thailand? Bangkok, Chiang Mai, and a little beach near Bangkok called Sha'am, and uh, decided to try to learn Thai, which was not going to go very far.
1: Very tough language. <laughs> <laughs> but I commend you for the effort. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it was one of those like, oh, this will be fun. And then, uh, but I probably learned like five words, one of which was Krumben. And we just needed a name and we picked this random word. We also were listening to Thai music when we started the band and there was a thread, we could hear a thread of what the influence was. Yeah. And so it felt like an homage to Thai music by calling it the word airplane, you know? So it's like you're traveling for influence.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. And I think it rings it definitely resonates with, I think, who you guys are as a band and what your sound is.
0: Thank you. It's yeah. also cool because actually, like, there's a lot of, like, brand opportunity, even though I hate that word. It's like, it's an airplane.
1: Yeah. So totally. there's so
0: much you can do with that.
1: I mean, I listened to your playlist on Spotify. Yeah. And specifically the one to Los Angeles. I think it's called Flight 4421, right?
0: I love the wow, LA my, one.
1: My visual memory kicked in there really <laughs> quickly. But yeah, I think it, it's very instantly identifiable. And I think it's a really beautiful through line with the music.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we get really nerdy about sort of the music that we listen to and where it comes from. And so those flights were like, yeah. we can go. We're going to take you to L.A. on this flight. Right. And that one was like songs that were either about L.A. or made by L.A. artists or whatever. But it's a, such a cool thread to use location as a, you know, yeah. the route.
1: What do you guys listen to when you're together?
0: DJ and I defer to Mark because he is constantly digging for new music and he wants to share it. And he has a portable speaker that's in his backpack that's pretty much on all the time when we're on the road. And it has this like perfect muffled sound because it's love. in his backpack that we, were, we all have kind of become addicted to the way Mark's speaker sounds <laughs> <laughs> in his backpack.
1: I love that you just said that he wants to share it. Because I feel like people are so precious about their music
0: finds. I understand the desire because I think it keeps it like this treasure. Totally. But also there will be more treasure.
1: But also I think like the point of music to me is to share it with people and dance and have fun.
0: Totally. And if it's this undiscovered artist from who knows where. Someone's going to find it. Give them some love, you know? (laughs) Absolutely. Give them
1: some love. Yeah. I've never understood the preciousness sometimes that people have with new music
0: yeah i think i mean I, I it's like i've seen sometimes you know djs will play a song and then everybody else gets it and then they start playing it and now they the original dj can't play it anymore right but i think you have to have confidence that you will continuously find something great new. music absolutely you know it's like like having a good idea and not doing it because you want to save the idea for the right moment it's like well right the right moment could be now you absolutely know? yeah
1: we'll be right back after a quick break Earlier this summer, I went through one of those moments where my hair started to thin like crazy. Maybe it's a weather change or just a moment of stress. And although this has probably happened at one point or another in my life, it is never not a terrifying moment. So naturally, I went on the hunt for a product that I can incorporate into my daily routine that would help my hair get back to its best state. And I'm obsessed with the brand that I've been using. It's called Gold, and it's a company on a mission to make wellness easy, fun, and approachable. With their suite of superfood wellness products, everything from Gold is vegan-friendly and made from 100% superfoods. Gold just launched their newest product. It's a superfood powder called the Coconut Collagen Boost, and I have been adding it to my morning coffee every day. The Coconut Collagen Boost is a plant-based collagen creamer that boosts your own body's collagen levels from within. It's a collagen powder, but without any collagen. With simple ingredients like biotin, hyaluronic acid, bamboo extract, and coconut milk powder, Gold's coconut collagen boost naturally and effectively boosts your own body's collagen production from within. I have noticed a massive difference in my hair since I started using it. It is smoother and shinier and definitely falling out less. In fact, my sister called me Rapunzel last week and I will take that compliment any day. I cannot wait each morning to wake up and add this to my coffee. You can add it to yours too. You can add it to smoothies, matcha lattes, or so much more. To celebrate the launch of their newest product, Gold is giving you guys 20% off the coconut collagen boost. Use code FRIEND to get 20% off your first purchase by heading to gold.co, G-O-L-D-E dot C-O, and use the code FRIEND at checkout. Now let's get back to the show. So let's get into your music a little bit. Okay. Your music is instantly identifiable. You guys have such a specific sound that I am like absolutely captivated by and obsessed with. I would love to hear if you can describe it through your lens.
0: Um, that was like a stressful, like, <laughs> hmm, where do I start? I mean, I've really come to believe that we sound like the three of us, which sounds really lame or it sounds like an out to the question, but the more and more I think about it, you know, it's like, you know, DJ does traditionally play like breakbeats and hip-hop drums. I'm playing melodic funky bass and then Mark is drowning us in, you know, psychedelia with his guitar. I usually tell people it's psych funk, but. Psych funk. Yeah. I like that. But that's, you know, it's like it doesn't completely hit on everything. Right. But I think that it gives enough of an idea of what we sound like that if you're interested, you'll figure it out. Yeah. It's interesting. It's a hard one.
1: There was something that in my research and learning more about you guys, um, there was something that really struck me that I thought was beautiful. And I think it was in learning more about your process and and writing process and how you guys begin to put songs together. I think there's something that you guys say where it's like, how do we always get back to calf born in the winter? Yeah,
0: totally.
1: And that resonated with me because, you know, just being able to reflect back on something from the early days where it wasn't the pressure of probably where you guys are at now. Totally. And just be like, how do we get back to that innocent?" Almost, I feel like is something that a lot of people, I'm sure, as they go down the trajectory of their career, want to reflect on and go back to.
0: 100%. Yeah. And um, Trey Anastasio from Fish, I met him a couple years ago and he gave me a few pieces of advice, but one of them was be your fan's favorite band. Yeah. And and I think (laughs) when we think of our fans, we think of the Calf Winter fan because they've been with us for a long time and we kind of know what that fan looks like.
1: Yeah, that was the first song I ever heard from you guys. Yeah, it was a, yeah. it
0: was the first song out. Yeah, so But yeah, I think that's another way of kind of getting back to yourself in that way when you think right. about pleasing that fan.
1: I'd actually love to hear about the creative process among the three of you. Um, we mentioned The Barn a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. And I heard that The Barn is like the honorary fourth member of the band. Usually. Yeah,
0: it is a shell. Like it is yeah. just a barn. It's not a studio. It's not built out in that way.
1: But I love that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's for us, it's really special in that way. But then on top of it, we literally record somewhere that nobody else in the history of music has ever recorded. Wow. You know, and so I think in that way, it's a really unique place because it's just ours. And while it's amazing that there's these studios that exist across the globe that have had beautiful albums being made in them, it's really special to us that our three albums have happened in a barn where nobody else ever goes, (laughs) you know?
1: Yeah, it's like, it's just your energy in there. Yeah. must also be really cool. I'm a very like location-based nostalgia person. Yeah. It probably is really cool to be in the barn and be able to also pull up like old memories of creating your first album in there. And now be like third, fourth, fifth.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we always all stay, there's a little, you know, house next to the barn. We all stay in the same bedrooms and it's like coming back to the same place And it's a very summer campy situation out there because it's just us out there. There are no restaurants or anything. So we have to, you know, do it all, do it all, Cook, clean, whole thing. Mm -hmm. But the barn is it has a special vibrancy and you can open up as many doors as you want and stare at the cows and the fields. And it's a really peaceful place to record.
1: I feel like that must be no matter like how large your ascent is. That probably is really grounding.
0: Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah.
1: What are some things that you feel like you do that kind of create that space for you to feel grounded?
0: Well, I've had a good year of grounding. Oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) This fast. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I forgot about that. Sorry. Sorry, guys.
0: No, I've had a really amazing year of grounding. I didn't have a home for a while because touring was a lot and it was kind of easier to just stay on the road and vacation or whatever in between or see friends. So I found a home. And I've really made it homey. So I have that to come back to, which I'm really excited about. But before, when I was on the road, I took a walk every single day. I Mm. still take a walk every single day in my life. And I feel like that's a grounding thing for me. Yeah. Um, It helps me see where I am. And when you're traveling all the time, sometimes you don't know where you are. Totally. Like, you know, city, 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 city. Right. So I get to connect with where I am, but I also kind of come back to myself in those moments because it's just me on my walks.
1: Are you listening to anything during that time or is it like... Sometimes. Yeah. I yeah. always find that like if in those moments, having like absolute silence is like it clears the roadblocks. I, I feel
0: that way. Yeah. I've transitioned to mainly having silent walks when I'm... Especially when I'm using them for that purpose. Right. If I'm on like a power walk or something. Different maybe. story. Yeah. No. But yeah, I love I love connecting with my feet. Sounds lame, but... I'm really grateful for them.
1: (laughs) I get it. Yeah. Back to the barn a little bit. Sorry for that sidetrack. I was just curious. You guys have the most interesting song names that always, (laughs) to me, I see them. And and for some reason, I'm just captivated by them. I'm like, I want to know what the story is. But it's also interesting because your songs aren't extremely lyrical. Right. So I'm curious to hear when you guys are sitting in the room coming up with song names. Are they based off an experience or is it something that you guys just find fun?
0: It depends. You know, like, a few a couple of our very first songs like number three and number four they were literally the third song numbers right yeah but then sometimes there will be experiences that happen at the barn like a calf born in winter right there was a calf born that winter wow and she was a girl and her name's laura lee no and she's had a lot of babies since then wow there
1: are many laura lee's i know
0: that's really cute yeah it was a very she was a very pregnant cow and she was there during the recording session And the cowboy who, like, handles all the cows on the land. Like, if she's born, it's a girl. Yeah. Yeah. So there's stuff like that that kind of happens at the farm that feels like it tells a story without us having to tell the story. So I think there's something really beautiful about, like, an instrumental song. And then you see a sort of story in the title. Right. And then you can kind of take it from there.
1: What about like Evan finds a third room.
0: Evan finds a third room is a tricky story to tell because it's like a a collection of inside jokes from tour. (laughs) Um, But we were waiting on a third hotel room and it was 3 a.m. and we were delirious and we were having trouble getting into our hotel basically because it like passed the deadline of when you can check in.
1: Okay. So it was
0: like 3 a.m. and we were delirious and the phone rang in the hotel and Evan, our tour manager at the time was like, is that the third room? And it was it was just like a delirium thing. And we decided to call that, Evan finds a third room off of like a delirious hotel room situation.
1: <laughs> How much of what you write do you feel is based off of real life experiences?
0: I think all of it. Yeah. I think it's probably hard not to. Or yeah, maybe it's, like, it's exaggerated. Yeah, right. exaggerated life, like a dream. Right. Ooh. That's cool.
1: <laughs> do you do you have like really vivid dreams? I do.
0: If I wake up in the middle of it, I can like hold on to it.
1: And do you write them down?
0: I should. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm
1: always really interested in people's doc. Like something I'm just fascinated by right now is people's documentation process. Like I know people who, who journal every day yeah. or who like take notes in their phone as their day goes on. I feel like that's a really great practice in being present. It's something that I'm pretty bad at. Like I can't, if I experience something, I don't, Instinctually feel the need to write it down.
0: Yeah, I, but I'm I, I always fascinated. You do, but like five minutes a day, like very short amount of time in the okay. morning before I start my day.
1: Are you doing the five minute journal?
0: I'm doing the five minute Me journal. too.
1: I just started. I'm yeah. on day five.
0: Yeah, I do it physically just because I actually too, like writing in the book. Yeah, yeah, but um, but that's what I do. I do five minute journal every morning. I love it. I do too.
1: I'm not a journaler, as I just said. Yeah, but like just having the prompts i think and, and the ability for those of you who don't know what the 5 minute journal is <laughs> it's basically a book where you make the commitment every morning and every night to write in the in like the journal prompts that are given per day so and it's the same prompts every day so it's like
0: three things you're grateful, grateful for. for yeah
1: three things that would make today great yeah um a daily affirmation and then that night you go back and journal for 5 minutes and you say three amazing things that happened today
0: and it's amazing how much you actually get in those prompts yes like- um, and i It really started,
1: forces you to reflect.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. I've started doing the three things or like a person that I'm grateful for, yep. something about myself and then something in my, you know, around me.
1: Yeah, again, yeah. It, like, and that's kind of what I like about it is you can make it personal. Like those yeah. last three questions, I was like, are these really capturing what I need to feel at the end of the day? So you can switch them up. But yeah, I love that. What's your favorite song that you guys have ever written?
0: I think right, I'm just gonna say right now which it was a, a big song already, uh, was Maria Tambien. But every time I play it. I just chef kissed you guys. <laughs> um, every time I play the hooky part of the bass line, I'm very impressed with myself. <laughs> 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 I'm like, I will never write anything that great again, which is not true. But, you know, we all like, need a little pat on the back
1: sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And that one is totally deserving.
0: Thank you. Yeah, yeah We were in a rut and that song got us out of the rut. And I just remember like figuring out that part and like eyes looking up at me like, oh my God, we're we're out. out. We're going to be okay. We're out.
1: Working with two other people in a band, I would love to hear what you think, especially when you're writing songs, creating, crafting, what you think is the key to collaboration.
0: Staying open and allowing things to simmer. Luckily, there are three of us. So there's like a natural democracy. So if there's a battle, there's, you know you cannot
1: bring on another member. (laughs) Exactly. You cannot.
0: (laughs) But yeah, usually if, you know, I'd say most things kind of, they feel right or they don't. Right. And we all feel them. But sometimes if there's a disagreement, then we will record both ways and then simmer and come back to them.
1: It's a great note. The simmer part how many times do you feel like you've gotten into an argument? And if you if the, you and that person just had walked away for a minute and taken a breath and come 1,000%. back maybe five minutes later, it would be a really different outcome.
0: Totally. i know letting
1: yourself like giving yourself the time and like space and grace to like think on something and let it like marinate
0: 100% and see
1: how you feel is really, I think, the key to a lot of conflict <laughs> aversion.
0: <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah. And we have a role in the band. Like if there is a disagreement, that, and it's two to one, that the one does have the right to say, I'm digging my heels in, which means like I 100% want it to go this way and I'm calling a heels digging moment. Okay.
1: But how often do you get the heels digging moment?
0: Maybe once a record.
1: Once a record.
0: I'd say say we each get it once a record.
1: Wow. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I like that rule. I actually think probably if someone asked me like what the key to collaboration is, it's like having those those yeah. boundaries and those like those things that you all agree on will help you get through conflict. Totally. It's like, how are you before a conflict even arises? Like, how are you going to overcome
0: it? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I love that. <laughs> and there's, you know, there's not a rule and how many there are. But right. like, if you are like, I really, really do not like the way this sounds and I wouldn't be happy with it going out. Well, then we're going to honor that. Right. Yeah,
1: I want to get into your live shows a little bit because I feel like I can speak from experience. I saw you guys at Coachella.
0: Oh, amazing.
1: Um, I'm a big Coachella girl. Grew up in LA. First weekend? First weekend. I can say just from experience again that I think there's no one I would rather listen to live than you guys. thank you. It's a like amplified, more incredible version than already listening to your album, which is an incredible experience in and of itself. But I also think that there's something that really resonates with me watching you guys that reminds me just so much of like true classic entertainment. Yeah, It's not just like, here's a show. Like there is such a stagecraft. So to what you guys are doing, even, you know, from the wig to the outfits, to all of it, yeah. there's just such, there's a lot of intent behind it. It's not something that you're just kind of like loosely throwing around. And I think that it is like the key to the fact that you guys are just unbelievable performers.
0: Thank you. I feel course. so... Like, grateful that our live show resonates so much. We have been really intentional with the show from show one. You know, the wigs happened show one. The outfits, I said I would never wear the same outfit twice, show one. You know, it was like we kind of started it at the very beginning.
1: Okay, let's unpack. She's bringing up a lot of topics (laughs) here that I'm excited to ask about. Okay. You said that the outfits happened show one. Yeah. What were those like beginning discussions about wanting to? Alter I guess yourselves on stage
0: i I don't know I mean i it was I definitely was just like, this is what I'm gonna do right, if I felt like it's a wedding kind of situation where you're gonna get the outfit, I got yeah. my makeup done, I don't do it I like usually do it myself now, but at the beginning, I was like getting my makeup done every show, and obviously got the wigs, and I was shopping for my clothes at the beginning at Sharpstown Mall in Houston, which is almost like a Mexican marketplace. So goods were cheap. You can get really cool jewelry. You can get cool. custom, like, nameplate type jewelry, which I oh, did. I love did. that. I had lazy earrings for a show. I mean, I'm insane when I think about it. Um, I
1: love that. Like the big ones? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm so here for that. Bring those back.
0: And, yeah, I just wanted to have, I didn't know how many shows I was going to have. So I wanted that moment on stage to be the moment. Yeah. And I think Mark saw how into it I was getting. So he wanted to get an outfit and they all followed suit. Now we're really into it.
1: Yeah, I wondered just from watching it if it was something that was, that existed to preserve identity in a way or if it was just a part of your artistry. Like you want to get dressed up. I love the wedding reference because I feel like, you know, so many people look forward to weddings to get dressed up and have that Totally.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely on the artistry side at the beginning and it was also to be invisible in Houston. Like for us to, for people to not recognize us right. in our hometown, right? Which they didn't, you know. Right. Now it works the on the other way, which is that I can live a hundred percent, you know, anonymous life when I take my wig off. Yeah. And That's a beautiful thing too.
1: Knowing that you guys have such like a crazy live presence in that, and you know that your fans love it, I wonder if that's something that goes to your head as you're creating music. If that is something that you take into consideration, where you're. Right. Where you're like, live is our thing. Like, how is this going to sound
0: live? I, yeah, I think this, the last record, and it's so ironic. It feels so bin because I feel like we have always done things in the wrong order or at the wrong time or whatever. But it's like we, we made Mordecai kind of with a live show in mind and wanting to make more upbeat songs and wanting to have songs that kind of resonated in the live crowd more than our slower instrumental songs. And then we put it out in the year where live music stopped. Oh, man. But it'll be interesting. Now we have to play these songs and like they're going to have a whole new life. And they also will sound different than they do on the record. And we haven't played them yet. You go into rehearsals tomorrow. Yeah. And it'll be really beautiful to like puzzle together how it's going to work.
1: So how do you compartmentalize it all? Like when you get out of performing Mm -hmm. and you're out in real life. How do you compartmentalize Lizzie and Laura?
0: It's such a thing. I talk about her as like a separate person, even though she's clearly not. Um, But it was this weird thing when we went on tour, like Lizzie obviously has her show outfits that she wears every night. And I was wearing like jeans and t-shirts, which really isn't what I wear in normal life. It's like, I'm probably somewhere in between you know, that and Lizzie, Right. And I remember being like, I can't just have Lizzie having all the gusto. Like I need to have gusto. But then I wanted it to be different so that on tour it would be unrecognizable. It's not like I want to go out in her outfits, you know.
1: You were jealous of your alter ego. (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, fully. (laughs) So so I had to balance it out. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it comes pretty naturally when you put the wig on and take it off. And this really beautiful moment happened at our last Houston show. I stayed in costume uh, the whole night and went to the hotel in this, like, custom-made jumpsuit that, no, I mean, there was only one in the world. And I was dressed up as me, and I ran into these fans outside who were wearing shirts from the show that they bought. And she came up to me and was like, oh, my God, are you dressed up as Laura (laughs) Leezy?" I, it was really amazing. You're like, yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, am. I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You do not even have
1: to lie. No. <laughs> didn't even have to lie. Let's get into the wardrobe a little bit okay. because it's like, if there's anyone's closet, I want to raid. It's oh, easy. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, as you mentioned, wow. you never wear the same thing twice. Yeah. Love to hear a little bit about as you're preparing for tour, what's the inspiration for what you're going to wear?
0: I don't know if I've ever, we've really re- re- set up For tour, Um, I work with a stylist. Her name's Megan, and uh, she—I met her in the bathroom of a club in London.
1: You always meet the best people in the bathroom of clubs, guys. It was
0: the best. Yeah, quote me on it. (laughs) Quote me on it. (laughs) It's amazing that at whatever time it was, we were able to exchange numbers, and she's been with me since our very first tour. So she sends me usually like it has been like a box before we start tour, and then a few in tour, and. A lot of times it's going in the venue. I take up, so first I take a picture and all the stuff. So I have a okay. record of it, like like taking Polaroids, but on my phone. And then I go into a venue and look through the photos and see which outfit wants to be in that venue. And I feel like it usually becomes clear.
1: Yeah, it's a feeling. Yeah. You're like, this will look good in here.
0: Yeah, totally. And then there's like, I have certain rules because I actually am wearing an instrument and have to play it that right. There are certain cuts and stuff that work better than others.
1: Right. Yeah. And you usually always have the same base.
0: I do. Yeah. Yeah. That was with every outfit. It does. I mean, I'm so glad I picked that color.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Tell us about your greatest hit. What is the most iconic outfit you feel like you've ever worn?
0: Um, I think it was the Houston outfit I mentioned, which was a, it was like sort of Bowie glam, borderline costume, jumpsuit with big shoulders and there were like eyeballs that were sewn into the legs. So it was kind of like this alien glam rocker that I feel was really me.
1: That's so fun. What do you think inspires you most in fashion?
0: I just think the the freedom in it and the way that it makes you feel and how you you get to live in art. And that's such a beautiful thing. I mean, I didn't know that this was gonna come from me saying I'm gonna wear a different outfit every night, but I don't get to keep most of them, obviously, but I love that I get to wear so many people and I feel I have like a real toy story complex about clothes. Like they shouldn't just be sat somewhere. They should be living a life because they're this beautiful thing that was made. And so I feel like I get to take the toys from the attic and wear them on this amazing platform, you know, like show clothes are different than ready to wear clothes. You know, they're Clothes that belong on a stage under lights. And that's such a cool niche, you know?
1: I was such a Toy Story kid, so I just ate that and up <laughs> like no other. Um, and I totally agree. Like something I always say is, and as cliche and corny as it is, like a great outfit can change your day. Change your mood whole thing. Everything. And whether it's a persona or just an extension of you, I feel like that really is the beauty of fashion is you become whatever you want to be. You're still yourself, but you get to almost walk in whatever shoes you want. Totally. What you're wearing. Yeah. And I feel like you do that expertly.
0: Thank you. I
1: love it. It really
0: like makes me feel a particular way.
1: So you have a lot of news that just came out. You have a really big couple of months coming up, which is so exciting. You guys released Mordecai last year in 2020. Yep. And you have Mordecai Remixes that just came out last week on mm-hmm. August 6th. Mm-hmm. Tell us about wanting to remix last year's Body of Work.
0: Um, it kind of happened immediately. There were a lot of different... DJs that we wanted to work with. Um, We also really love dance music. And like when I lived in London, I went out a lot and danced. And it's a part of the music, you know, sphere that we wanted to be a part of. But we wanted to be a part of it with musicians that we liked, you know, specifically. And yeah, it's just another way of presenting your songs. And it's also a real, like a gift to ourselves to give somebody you trust the stems to your music and see what they do with it. It's like, that's a great present to ourselves. You know, it's like a commission.
1: Totally. <laughs> and especially when you're doing it with people that you love and admire. You're yeah. like, okay, what's their take on this? Like, how do they produce that? How do, how are they hearing the sound? Exactly. But I always wonder as an artist, how far can a remix go before you're like, oh, the original sound is gone?
0: I think it, it doesn't I matter. I think you have to let go. Like yeah. as soon as you hand it over... Um, if you want them to be free with it. I mean, if you're giving them a direction, I guess there is probably a limit. But we're very much like, have fun. Yeah. You know, because I've learned a lot like in the curation side of things that you want to give artists freedom. Like trapping an artist is literally like the opposite of what makes them feel good. So I think in the remix world, it's like you do you and that's it,
1: you know. One of my favorite songs of yours is Texas Sun, who you collaborated with Leon Bridges, who I'm also a massive fan of. I'd love to hear who you're most interested in collaborating with.
0: Always Shaw Day. We always say Shaw <laughs> Day. I wasn't prepared for
1: that answer. <laughs> just put my hands on my chest. I just wasn't prepared. That collab would probably put me in my grave. Yeah.
0: yeah. That's usually we have like one answer for that question. And I just yeah. don't think it gets any better than that.
1: No, it doesn't. Um,
0: or maybe if we say her name enough times, manifestation she'll, she'll, is real. She'll appear.
1: Put it in the five minute journal. Yeah, put it in there. Oh my god, I need a footage.
0: Yes, Shaday, I'm thankful for you today. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Put it in
1: there. You guys also just announced a massive tour, which yeah. is your first one post COVID. A bunch of cities sold out same day.
0: It's it's really humbling and overwhelming, and I think I had like a mini panic after those LA <laughs> shows sold so quickly because we we plan on doing one Greek. And then it sold out super quickly. So we did two. And then. Now you have three, We right? have three. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. And that we, I didn't even know three was an option. Have you know. played the Greek before? Uh, we opened for Leon Bridges there. Yes.
1: Okay. I missed that show too. I was bummed. Yeah. Um, the Greek is probably one of my favorite venues in LA. Oh
0: my God. It's so yeah. amazing. So I lived really close. I lived close to there when I was in LA. And I would take a walk in Griffith Park where there's a really good view like up there. It's so gorgeous. Is
1: there a city that you're going to that you're most excited about?
0: No, I like all the cities. I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm excited for the runs where we have a few shows in one particular city, like the right. LA shows. Right. Um, and we have four shows in Austin at Stubbs. I don't know if you've been to Stubbs. I've
1: never been to Texas.
0: Oh, wow. I know. I know. It's, it's a weird. big state.
1: It's just like, I've never <laughs> been to Austin. I've never been to like, it's on my top of my to-do list at the moment.
0: Yeah, Stubbs is a, uh, it's like a real iconic. It feels like that is Austin, right? Stubbs. But it's a smaller venue than a lot. Like it's maybe 2,000 people instead of the Greek. That's like six. Yeah. So I think having those shows first and they'll be really, Austin's really rowdy, which is love. really fun when you're on stage. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I can
1: imagine those are the best types of shows. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Such a high. Just to like feel the energy coming back at you.
0: 100%.
1: Something that I learned that I love to hear about when you guys are on tour is you always get a record from every place you're in. Is there one that sticks out from your collection that you've had over the past couple of years?
0: I don't know if there's one particular record, but there's like a section of my collection, which was, we did a tour where we only bought 45s, Um, which is really kind of, it's a cool brief, but it was a mission. A lot of stores have thrown them out like old 45s.
1: They're smaller, correct? For people that aren't accustomed yes. or familiar yeah. with them. They're seven uh,
0: inch records instead of 12. So they're the little tiny And ones.
1: they're in like a plastic casing, right?
0: Or they're, Sometimes. they're
1: in actual, yeah. okay.
0: Yeah, they're a little tiny. They're usually just in paper sleeves. Okay. But we had a DJ gig at the end of the tour and forgot to bring our records. And so we decided that the entire tour, we were going to go buy as many 45 as we could for that show. Cool. And because it's like you're digging through like the deep depths of a store's catalog, We kind of became less precious about what we were DJing. And we did. We had like a lot of like Janet Jackson, Mariah Carey, Gloria Stefan, Love. Yeah. And we did a set like that. And it was so fun because it was like we didn't take ourselves too seriously in that moment. Totally. Um, So I have a little collection of 45s in a tiny case that's from that run. That's like all pop divas. Love. Love.
1: Just wanna close out the show with a question we love to ask our guests. What is the best
0: piece of advice that you've ever received from a friend? Um, interesting, good one. Um, I think lately, like the advice is just to like, walk, not run. Yeah. Um, Which is something that, I mean, I feel like you're told from a very young age, but with as busy as life gets, it's really easy to run yeah and not breathe and all that kind of stuff and i think if you take time to go more slowly you get more out of life yeah yeah
1: agreed i love that one Mm -hmm. laura this was so awesome thank you it was really an honor to get to know you and talk to you today so thank you so much for making the time and coming on the show i'm
0: so happy to be here thanks for coming in to meet me
1: of course anytime excited to see the whole tour come to life and um guys mordecai remixes is available now anywhere you listen to your music thank you thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of friend of a friend before you go make sure to rate review and subscribe to the podcast on apple podcasts spotify and at dearmedia.com and for more behind the scenes of the show visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liv Perez on instagram don't forget the tubies see you next week